Look to your neighbor and say, I prayed all week. Say it to them. Say, I prayed all week that I'd sit next to you. Now say, now you got to do something. Get a little bit more light up here, I guess. Um, a couple of things real quickly I want to I wanna say to you. One, I want to ask you to pray for two families that definitely, definitely need your prayer. Uh, my good friend, childhood friend, David Gilbert, pray for uh, Haney, pray for Steve and Chris and Scott and David uh, and the loss of Sergeant Major Richard Jenkins. The funeral uh, memorial will be today at 2 o'clock at Upson Memorial. Is that right, David? Uh, at the graveside, and I'll be a part of, uh, of that service. But pray for that family uh, for sure. And also pray for the Chris and Kathy Boyd family who uh, lost their son, uh, Chase, of course, had a car accident earlier in the week and uh, had to make some decisions yesterday. In fact, let, let's do this. Let's pray for uh, those two families right now. Let's do that. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, and we ask you that your grace would be sufficient for these two families' every need. Lord, we realize that nothing happens that you've not allowed, that you've not somehow ordained. And, God, we accept your sovereignty today. But, Father, we, we don't have to like it. We don't have to understand it. So, God, I pray that you would speak to those hearts, speak to Kyle Boyd, speak to Candace, Lord, uh, Chase's girlfriend. God, may your grace fall down upon them like never before. And, Father, today at the service for Sergeant Major Jenkins, Lord, that you would uh, certainly honor his life and his testimony, but also honor the fact that he's with you today, God, that others may know you because of his testimony. And, Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Let me go ahead and invite you, before I, before I forget, tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to be meeting at uh, Kim and Ronnie Hendricks' house at Woodland Road. The best way to get there is if you go out 36, five miles past River Bend. How many of you know where River Bend, are? R- River Bend is? Yeah, everybody does. Go about five miles past that on the left. The first driveway past mile marker 17 on your left, there's a big, it's really cool, there's a huge saw blade right there at the driveway. So turn into that. You might think that it's a horror movie with a saw blade, but it's not. It's their home. So I want you to come out there. We're going to have, they have a zip line. They have a 3,000 square foot front porch. So if you just want to sit out there and rock, but we will have hot dogs and stuff. We'll grill uh, drinks. I don't think, what do we need to bring, guys? Anybody need to bring, somebody tell me. Chips and desserts. Chips and dessert. Everything else is covered. So anybody and everybody, kids, bring a towel, bring a swimsuit. We're going to have a great time. And uh, we're going to come out, we'll do a devotion and uh, share some time and uh, get to know one another. So I want to encourage you to be there. Also, there is a... There's a little card there in your, um, probably right next to you somewhere. If you have been praying about and you decide today, after today, that you would like to be a, a part of this family and this plant, this launch, uh, certainly fill that out. But the most important thing is down in the bottom. It asks for the areas that you may be interested in checking into. So fill that out. You can uh, drop that on the way out. Also, if you just want more information and want to know what's going on and where we're going to be meeting over the next few weeks, we'll be, be meeting here for sure next week at the same time at 11 a.m., but please fill out uh, on the uh, tables out front just your information, a name, a text, and an email so that we can let you know where we're going to be. So anyway, thank you so much for being here. If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to Deuteronomy. Uh, go right there at the beginning of Genesis. Flip over a few books. Deuteronomy chapter 32. As I was praying about what God would, would have me to share this week, this is a, probably a very unknown passage of Scripture, maybe even some obscurity in some people's minds, but I believe that God teaches us something all throughout the Word of God. We're real careful sometimes to pay a lot of attention and preach out of the New Testament, but the Old Testament, understand still, is speaking, of course, of God foreshadowing the person of Jesus Christ, and everything that you see is a picture of Jesus. And Deuteronomy, oftentimes referred to as the second law, is really 
a, a compilation of three sermons that Moses preached. Three sermons that really urged the church, of course, in this time, the children of Israel, God's people, to concentrate on the law, to depend upon the law, to meditate on the law. Now, in the New Testament, the application is that we're to do the same thing with the Word of God, that we're to meditate on it day and night as we read throughout the Pauline epistles. But the reality is that it's really ironic that Moses, having written this, is also one who, in his own uh, traditionalist style, was disobedient to the very Word of God. Remember, that's why he couldn't go into the Promised Land. So as he's writing this some 1,400 years before Jesus' birth, he's writing, also he's getting time, getting to a place where he's about to leave. He's about to be taken by God up into heaven. We know that God buried him in a place on a mountain. But the reality is he's fulfilled that place in his life, but he couldn't step one foot into the Promised Land. He's having to pass the torch over to Joshua, which literally is a picture of, of Jesus. Jesus, meaning Yahweh or the Lord of salvation. And then we see him constantly preparing them, telling them to meditate on that law, to meditate on that word. But in, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, chapters 1 through 14, we're seeing something for the first time, the speaking of an eagle. Now keep in mind, in Scripture, anytime the eagle is mentioned, we're speaking of the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look into the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, a lot of their information is the same. A lot of it is a cross-section, one speaking on behalf of the other. But Matthew, of course, presents Jesus as a lion or the kingship, of course, of Jesus Christ. Uh, Mark speaks, of course, of the ox or the servanthood, the beast of burden of Jesus Christ. And, of course, Luke refers to him as the man or the humanity of Jesus, being fully man yet fully God. And then we see a complete changing of form with John's gospel where he starts out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 it says, And that Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Speaking of the majesty, or the eagle, if you will, of God. Of course, in the Old Testament it says, Those who wait upon the Lord shall what? Rise up on wings of eagles. They shall run and not become weary, walk and not faint. All of those things tie back into this passage of Scripture that I'm going to read. It uh, found in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 1 through 14. I'm reading today from the King James, New King James Version. And I think we have these verses we're going to throw up, up on the screen for you. So let me read to you, if I may. Uh, Give ear, O heavens, I will speak. And O hear, O earth, the words of my mouth, the Lord speaking. Let my teaching be as drops as the rain. My speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb. And as showers on the grass, for I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His word is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth, and listen to this, and without injustice, even though we don't understand what's going on, God is always faithful and he's always just. We see that all throughout the New Testament. And then he goes on to say, a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. And listen to what he says in verse 5. They have corrupted themselves, they are not his children because of their blemish. Speaking, of course, of the children of Israel, and quite frankly, a cross-section of the church today in many, many ways. A perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? There's a question. Is he not your father who bought you? The Bible says you and I have been bought with a price. We are no longer our own. We are now the temple of the Most High God. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you. Your elders, and they will tell you. When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations... When he separated the sons of Adam, he set boundaries according to the people and the number of the children of Israel. 
For the Lord's portion, listen to this, is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance, speaking, of course, of Israel. He found him in a land, a desert land, and in a wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him, listen to this, as the apple of the eye. Then we come to the verse text today uh, found in verse 11. As the eagle stirs up the nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on his wings. Verse 12, so the Lord alone led him. Speaking of Israel, and of course speaking of the church is the application today. And there was no foreign God with him. Now let me finish on two verses and then we'll pray. He made him ride in the heights of the earth that he may eat the produce of the fields. He made him draw honey from the rock and the oil from the flinty rock. And listen, curds from the cattle and milk from the flock with fat. They're always uh, speaking, of course, of the, of the fullness of God of the fat of the lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the wise choicest meats. Listen to this. And you drank wine with the blood of grapes. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I love you today, and I thank you for your word that you hold above your own name. Help us today to rightly divide that word of truth and make application to our life that we may live according to your will. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. A couple of things real quickly I want to share with you, and then I'm going to share a little bit of the vision about our church, is that when an eagle is spoken of in Scripture, is speaking of that bird, this majestic that flies alone, that flies to higher lengths than anything, any other animal of prey, that, 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 that when they get attacked by other animals, and a hawk would do this too, they would not soar along parallel to the earth, but they would take and point upwardly and fly directly into the sun because they can climb higher, they can go further. Also, eagles fly alone. They don't fly in packs. They also, when they build a nest, according to uh, theologians, when you study Scripture in Israel, when they would have built these nests, they would have been sometimes eight, nine, ten thousand feet up on a mountainside. These, these, these nests that they built would have been nests for a lifetime. And they actually would have been passed down to, to their eaglets as, as time would go on. Generations of generations of some of these eagles' nests in, in Asia Minor are, are hundreds of years old. Some of them would have been over two and a half feet deep, over eight and a half feet across, and weighing as much as two tons. And the eagles would have considered this not only their habitat, but their, but their sanctuary, a place that they would become, that mama eagle. And, and, of course, unlike a lot of animals in the kingdom today, they would have been a daddy eagle. He would have been there. They would have worked together. They would have mated for life. It wasn't like the dad would come in and he would, he would have the eaglets and then he would fly off and he would just continue to procreate other eagles. He became that daddy, that husband eagle. It's a beautiful picture. If you look into Scripture of the majesty of God, just a little side note, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Benjamin Franklin wanted our national bird to be, does anybody know what it was? A turkey. A turkey. Now, I don't know, maybe today that would have a better application, of course, where we're living, but he wanted the, uh, the turkey to be our national bird, the red, white, and blue. If you've ever been in any, any uh, hunts, you know that when a turkey becomes stimulated, his face will turn red, white, and blue, and it was a beautiful bird, but nonetheless, it has become somewhat of a cliche in a turkey. But Rather than that, we chose, of course, the eagle, the majesty of that bird that soars higher, that soars alone, indicating who we were to be as a great nation, founded, of course, on the principles of God. But as we look into this, the nest can be something to, to glean a lot of information from. They would actually, the eagle would take sticks, big sticks, some four inch in diameter, and he would begin to, to fashion out this nest because it had to be one at that height that could sustain uh, torrential winds and downpours and, and the things that would come, the storms of the life, if you will. 
But then he would take small leaves and he would line it with that and he would form a barrier between the vines and between the, the rocks and between the elements of, this, of the world. And then he would take his own fur, the down, if you will, and he would pull it from his, his chest. The, the, the male eagle would do this. And he would begin to, to line a barrier, a comfort, if you will, all the way around the nest in the depths of the nest. And then they would take other types of fur and cover it so it was a shell of protection. But then there came a point, and I want you to hear me because I'm, I'm going somewhere for the church today. There would come a point, six to seven, eight months, into that eaglet's birth and into his life, that that mama eagle would fly in differently than she had on all other days. As she would fly in, she would come in with her talons down and she would begin to pull the fur from that nest. She would begin to pull the small leafy products from that nest. And she would, as the Bible says, stir up that nest. She would begin to flap, in some cases, her eight-foot wingspan, just huge, huge wings so that those little eaglets begin to scream out, not because they were hungry, not because mama had come home, but it was pure terror of the stirring of that nest. And she began to do that. The eaglets would find themselves now not sitting on a firm foundation, not sitting in the comforts of the down from her own uh, feathers and her own breast fur, but they would find themselves having to, for the first time, use their own feet and their own talons. Listen to me, church. This is where we're going, to stand on their own two feet. That there comes a time where we have to realize that God never promises us that we're going to live a comfortable life. He never promises us that when we get saved, we're not going to have the difficulties of life. In fact, if you look throughout the scriptures and most of the epistles, you will see that the contrary is true. That he calls us sometimes, Chad, to say, hey, not only are you going to have temptations and you're going to have various trials, but when they come, hey, check this out. Not only don't resist them, but glory in those tribulations also. Why? Because it brings forth a perseverance and a safety and a patience. Why? That you become in a place of hope. And the Bible says that hope maketh not a shame. You see, my most difficult times in my life, I can look back and say, that's where I learned to stand on my own two feet in Christ. You see, there's a point, guys, in time where we look to the preacher, where we look to mom and dad. Maybe wives in here, you look to your husbands. Maybe some husbands in here, much like me when I came into church, I would look to my wife. I couldn't quote Scripture. My children were learning Scripture. They could sing Psalm 100. They could quote Psalm 23. And I was looking at my wife and going, how do y'all know that? They were singing these songs that could quote the, every book of the Bible. And I'm like going, I know who Leonard Skinner is. I don't know anything about Habakkuk. But, but she was doing that, and guess what, Tommy? I, I'm just being honest with you. My mom and dad brought me up in a, in, a, in a family that believed in the Lord, that served the Lord, that went to church. But guess what? I completely missed it, guys. And as I became an adult, I didn't want any part of it. I wanted to do my thing. How many of y'all ever said this? I'm a grown man. I do what I want to do. Anybody ever say that? And then right after that, you get knocked on your, on your fanny, right? But there comes a point in time where God himself, and you can see it all throughout the Scriptures, Lee, where God himself, will literally stir up the nest. You see, because then those eaglets would learn to use their talons. Why? Because if they couldn't stand on their own feet and wrap that talon around that, that thicker log, that thicker branch, they would never learn how to apply that and to catch their own food. They couldn't sustain themselves. They would always have to come back home to mama. 
But see, the Bible says that you and I, there's a time where we take of that sincere milk, that pure milk. There's a time where maybe we get in church and, and we understand that there's an Old Testament and that there's a New Testament, but we don't understand the books of the law and the books of poetry and the books of wisdom. We don't know who Paul is. We don't know he was Saul of Tarsus. We don't understand that there were 66 books, all of which pointed to the person of Jesus Christ. We don't understand that. So we drink of that sincere milk. We go to church. We go to Sunday school. We go to small groups. And we begin to drink on that. But there comes a time, just like my grandson, who's getting eight months old, and he's getting to a point where, guess what? The milk is just not going to do good enough anymore. And then what? Then you start eating, you know, food. And you and I, you know, we couldn't even eat the pureed food that the kids eat. Why? Because as we get older, we want to sink our teeth into a T-bone steak. We want to eat and chew into something bigger. Guys, that is the same principle that God is calling the church to do today. But many of us will never step out of the boat. We'll never get out of our comfort zones. And because that's true, and because we realize, Jesus realized that we're creatures of habit, we will sit in the same place for 45 years in a church and never move, never share our faith. Literally, according to statistics, there are over 87% of the church today at large, globally, evangelicals across the nation, who will never share their faith. And I want you to know, according to the Word of God, God is not okay with that so we see the stirring of the nest we see them become uncomfortable that mama who had protected them for so long is now if you will provoking them to stand on their own two feet that mama is provoking them to think about what's going to happen when she's not around and that stirring of the nest causes them to cry out now, if that were the end of the story, that in alone would be enough because the mamas in the house are going, you know, I would never do that to my children, but you know what you do. Maybe it's not causing that type of terror or screamer. Maybe it is. I don't know. But the reality is, is you, you know what you do. Come on, baby. You can do it. Walk to, walk to mama. Walk to daddy. You know, you start poking spoons in their mouth versus the bottle. You, you teach them to eat, and it gets all over you and everybody in the house. You know, it, maybe it's not stirring the nest, but it's somewhat the same. And then as they get older, you talk, teach them to, to study on their own, to read their own Bible verses, to go to church, not because mom and dad are dragging them, but because there's a hope that lies ahead that they have to internalize and they have to become a part of in their own life. But see, unlike us, something else happens right after that. That mama eagle comes in one day and she stirs up that nest for two or three days and she begins to empty it out. And they're standing there and they're looking at the holes. And then the mama does something. If we can't understand this in nature, then we think this is the most rugged, most harmful, most putrid thing that any mama can do. And she takes those eagles and she takes the backside of her claws and she begins to push them. And she nudges them up on the rim of that huge two-ton eagle's nest, eight, nine, ten thousand feet above the floor. When that eagle is balancing, gripping with everything that he has, with those talons, holding on for dear life, she does the unthinkable. She takes her wing and she pushes them out. And that little eaglet begins to scream in a terror. I've seen videos of this. A terror that would just, that would just peel paint off the wall. Clumsily, that, that eaglet begins to flap, and he's turning over, end over end, down and down and down he goes. And the mama is sitting there and just watching. But the father, eagle, 
sitting here on the side of a cliff, watching, anticipating. The hope is that that eagle will somehow catch a wind draft and begin to catch air beneath his wings, not the song, that'd be weird, but to take and lift up and to catch that thermal pocket and begin to soar and to fly. And then he would come back to the nest. And, you know, maybe an eagle language, if there's a such thing. Hey, look, Mama, look, Dad, look what I did. I did it. I did it. And the mama's going, I knew you could. What about that clumsy eagle toppling end over end, the ground getting closer and closer and closer? But maybe a few hundred feet before that eaglet hits the ground to its imminent death, the father, I love this, not the mother eagle, but the father eagle picks up and comes down and swoops down and catches that eaglet and brings him back to the nest. As if to say, I wanted you to step out. I wanted you to feel uncomfortable. I wanted you to feel the wind beneath your own wings. I wanted you to know what it's like to fall. Because why? Because there's a point where you're not going to fall anymore. You're going to catch that wind. Your, your wings are going to spread out, and you're going to soar higher than any other bird. You're going to go. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? Because there's an application here. This is not just a story about nature and about eagles. That there's a point in time where God just keeps going. And pushes us out through the Holy Spirit. He pushes us out into the world. He pushes us out into his comfort, out of our comfort zones. Why? Because he wants to teach you and I to stand alone, to stand on our own two feet. Because there comes a time where mama's not with you and daddy's not with you. Maybe your husband and your wife can't quote those scriptures for you. But you've got to begin to recall it on your own and to stand in the promises of God and who he is and who's he, who he's called you to be. But aren't you glad? But aren't you glad that God will not send you to a place of temptation beyond what you are capable? But with that temptation, He's faithful. And He's just to offer a way of escape. You see, the way that Father Eagle glides down, He's not panicking. He's done it before. He will do it again. In fact, each one of those eaglets will go through the same measure of temptation and test and trial. And if they don't fly, guess what happens? He grabs them up. He brings them up into the nest. Puts them back on that fragile floor of that nest. And he stands in there. And he begins to grow. And maybe in the mind of that eaglet, he begins to roll this over in his mind and say, you know what, that wasn't so bad. Because I thought I was going to die, but Daddy was there. But Daddy didn't let me fall. You see... When we go through difficulty and we get pushed out of our comfort zone and we make it through that trial and we make it through that difficulty and we realize it doesn't really kill us to stand up and to share faith or we realize that it doesn't, you know, nobody's going to actually put us to death because we have, we have shared Christ with someone or maybe that we share Christ in our workplace and, and, you know, maybe the person said, no, I don't want anything to do with your Jesus, but you know what, they still befriended you and they still didn't ostracize you and you realize that it's not really what you think it is because you realize that you walk away and the Holy Spirit says, good job, you did it. And guess what that does? And you all know the punchline. It gives you more spiritual confidence in your own self to go out and do it again. Because guess what happens the next day? The next day the eaglets are going, wow, man, that was awesome. But, you know, I don't ever want to do that again. And guess what? The mama eagle goes, well, good, here you go. And he does it again. Same thing. He doesn't catch that thermal pocket and he doesn't fly away. 
daddy comes down and catches him again. This goes on in some cases three and four days right in a row until ultimately, and I read this. This blew me away. Usually around five days. Five is a number for grace, by the way. Usually by the fifth day, that eagle will have enough confidence in himself to start flapping his wings, not crazy, uncontrollably, with, with some order and with some intention. You see, there's a point in our life, according to the Ecclesiastes writer, there's a time for us to fly. There's a time for us, according to the Ecclesiastes writer, there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to cry. You know what, David, and I know this, you and I both have lost our fathers too. And There's a time to die. But guys, there's a time to live. There's a time to grow. There's a time to step out. There's a time according to that. And if there's anything left out, he says, there's a time for everything under the sun. And guess what? There's a time right now for you, for you, wherever you are in your life, wherever you plant your feet. I pray that it's here, but whatever God does in your life, wherever you stop and begin to get rooted and get invested in what God's doing, it's time for you to soar. It's time for you to take flight. To depend on whatever on the things that God has given you. Listen, I, I listen to people sing. I'm not a singer. I sing incredibly beautiful in the shower. But they won't let me bring one up here. It's just weird. But you know what? The acoustics in there, man, I can't. Can anybody else sing good in the shower? Does anybody sing good in their car? Who gets crazy riding down the road in your car just worshiping? Anybody else? Man, I know it. I, I was singing a few weeks ago. I shared this at uh, Mount View a few weeks ago that I was just, man, I was jamming out. I was singing. I don't even know what the song was. I might have been dancing on God's great dance floor, riding down the road in my truck. I don't know what it was. And I was getting down. I mean, it was, I felt like I was in 1984 again. Man, I was jamming. And I pull up to the, to the red light coming right there past Hometown Printers. And I think, I'm not sure, it was one of the people that worked at the Beacon. I don't know which one. I'm avoiding them like the plague. But they were, they were sitting there going, they like, just looking at me like that. I'm going, it was so weird. But have you ever just lost yourself in a moment like that? What God is calling the church to do today is to get lost in his love, to get lost in his grace, to get lost in his mercy. But check this out, guys, to get lost in the confusion, to get lost in the, in the unknown, to step out. And know this, watch this. Do you know Peter never would have walked one single step on the water? He never would have lived one moment of supernatural until he got his eyes off the natural and the comforts of this life. What, what if God wants you to do more? Now, I'll go ahead and give the punchline because I know some of us say this in the church. We do this. But, Mark, I don't really want anymore. And what I would say to you is say, God, why don't I want anymore? Where's my passion? Because, and I know if Big Dave were here, and, and by the way, he's, he sends his, his regards. He, he would be here if he could. He's finishing out his responsibilities. He has a youth camp next week. He'll be with us in, in, in two weeks from now. But Big Dave would say this. If you don't want to share Jesus, if it's okay with you, 
that, that thousands of people in this community, hey, check it out, let's do this math. There are 6.2 billion people on planet Earth. According to statistics, over 4 billion of them, if Jesus comes back today, will die and will go to hell forever, forever eternally separated from God. Over 2 billion of those have never heard the message that you're hearing today, the message of hope found only in Jesus Christ. Guys, I'm going to tell you something, that's not okay with me. And that may look like doing ministry in my own community through feeding programs. That may look like having a, having a dove shoot. How many of you like to dove hunt? You know, having a dove hunt and say, hey, guys, just come and shoot some birds for Jesus, you know. And you bring them out and you feed them lunch. And then you look at them and go, hey, by the way, did you know Jesus died for you? Do you know Jesus loved you? If it's a youth event or whatever it may be. But the reality is, is that God has called us. As Mordecai told Esther, if you read the book of Esther, one of the most beautiful, poetic, powerful books in all the scripture. Mordecai told Esther this. As she walked into that Syrian king, her husband, he said, hey, God has called you into the palace for such a time as this. But listen to what he said. Hear me. But if you don't go, hey, it's okay. We understand. We realize you're risking your life. But check it out, Esther. If you don't go, you know what God will do? He'll just raise up another one. As the band comes, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to see the value in adversity in your life. I, I, I want to do this, I, I, and I hope you'll allow me to. How many of you truly, by the raising of your hand, because this is not between you and me, this is between you and the Lord, but I want, I want to kind of prompt you. I want to challenge you. How many of you, by the raising of a hand, say, I want more in life spiritually than where I am right now? Just lift your hand. I do too. But very few of us will pray for the lion's den experience. Very few of us will pray for the fiery furnace as those three Hebrew boys. Very few of us will pray to be ostracized by family and friends to stand alone with the Lord. Very few of us will pray for a cross, Tim. But I submit to you, that it's in those situations that not only you will be changed, but others will see. Every one of the storylines throughout Scripture where man or woman, boy or girl, went through the most difficult of situations. Look at Abraham who was told by God to sacrifice the very son that he had called the promise. And on that day when he drew that knife back, what must have gone through his mind? He's like, you know, and he didn't even say it, but he's like, God, what are you doing? As if he is flapping his wings and just helplessly seeking an answer. But in faith, he responded to an unknown place of supernatural power. And watch what happened. God stopped him. And he offered himself a ram without blemish caught in the thicket. You see, guys, I believe what God is saying to us today Though we don't pray for those things, we don't pray for those hurts, we don't pray for those struggles, we don't pray for those moments of, of, of confusion, it's in those moments that we see true vision, that we experience true love, that we see a building of a new confidence, not in Mark, not in the church, not in a per but in the person of Jesus Christ in me. Husbands want to do more. The husbands want to rise up and be the leaders of their home. All of those things withstanding. Psalms 103, and I want to close with this. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all thy iniquities. Who heals all thy diseases. Who redeems thy life from destruction and crowns thee with love and kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things. So that, hear me, thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The day's coming. Maybe the day's here for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you have been made uncomfortable in the last few days or a few weeks. You've come here today because God brought you to this place for this time. And you have things to pray about. You have things you want to hear, things you want to meditate on. But can I tell you something? Beyond where your feet land in the church, I want you to know that you are the church. You are the body. You have a purpose. Maybe God is just kind of stirring the nest. Will you take flight? Or you topple head over heels uncontrollably with no purpose day in and day out? Or will you allow the grace of God to equip you where God has called you? Let's say this right quick. If you don't know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior today, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. If you don't know right here, right now, Pray this prayer with me. Not a magical prayer. It's a prayer of faith. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to ask you to pray with me from your heart to God. Right here, right now. Say, Dear God in heaven, I believe in Jesus. And I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart. To forgive all of my sin. Jesus, I ask you today to be the Lord of my life. Save me help me to live for you to the day I die. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, or maybe you meant it for the first time today, I'd like to just be able to pray for you. Would you just lift your hand up real real, real quickly, real quietly. Lift it up. God bless you, little one. God bless you, sir. And you, sir.